You are listening to the 321 Biz Development Take Control of Your Business podcast. My name is Clarence Rick Napier, CEO at 321 Biz Dev LLC, a consulting firm based in California. Our website is 321bizdev.com. 321bizdev is not a marketing company. 321bizdev is a sales systems and business development company supporting industries such as the legal industry, to the dentistry industry, to home builders. With eight years experience working as a Fortune 500 company sales manager in Los Angeles, uh, serving in the military for 12 years and working as a San Francisco club DJ, I started 321BizDev LLC in 2014 to help small business owners with front-end sales activities not available to most business owners. 321BizDev provides expert sales productivity and sales performance solutions for growth at work. Every solution we discuss on this podcast, 321BizDev can, can perform. I can be reached at 726-999-0999. Today's podcast episode is an interview with attorney Tony Long. Now, I must give some people some, some background information on Tony Long, our, our guest today. She's a fantastic attorney, so let me just tell you our listeners a little about Tony Long. Tony Long is the managing partner and the founder of the Long Law Group with a practice focused on entertainment and business transactions. Her business and corporate practice focuses on corporate governance, maintenance and formation, asset stock purchases and sales, securities and other corporate issues, as well as serving as general corporate counsel to many of her clients. Since founding the firm, Tony has collaborated with other attorneys and counseled clients on complex merger and acquisition and financing transactions, totaling more than $400 million. Tony advises a broad range of clients, including sole proprietors, Fortune 500 companies, startups, emerging businesses, not-for-profit institutions, and family-owned businesses. Tony's entertainment practice focuses on several areas including production, talent representation, motion picture, television and new media development, distribution, licensings, and private equity investment. Her entertainment clients represent a variety of media within the entertainment industry, including film, television, music, gaming, new media, and e-commerce, just to name a few. Tony provides legal advice to writers, directors, producers, and production companies offering legal representation at all stages of production. Tony also serves as production counsel for many indie film projects. Prior to starting her firm, Tony was a corporate and litigation associate acting as counsel to public and private companies and giving advice on complex legal matters. Additionally, Tony served as a director of business and legal affairs for an international film distribution company where she oversaw the acquisition and distribution of over 25 films and drafted and negotiated various contracts for domestic and international theatrical television and home video acquisition and distribution. I also want to let people know her educational and accomplishments include a Bachelor of Arts from Stanford University, a JD from the UCLA School of Law, and Tony was recognized as a top attorney for corporate law by Pasadena Magazine from 2012 to 2019. 
Tony is also recognized as a rising star by Los Angeles Magazine, July 2007. So without further delay, I want to welcome Tony Long to the 321 Biz Development Take Control of Your Business podcast. So Tony, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, hopefully the sound is okay. Let me know if uh, we need to do anything on my end, but I am well, very happy is perfect. to be here. Okay, the sound great. is perfect. So thank you for your time. I know we've been trying to put this interview together for a couple of months. So I want to thank you for carving out some time out of your busy schedule. So Tony, yes. the, when I first ask questions with guests, I always like to ask questions like, or at least start with, you know, where is Tony from? We know a little about your educational accomplishments, but please tell us a little about Tony Long before you became a successful attorney. Okay. I'm originally from Dallas, uh, born and raised there. Um, I have family out here in Los Angeles. Uh, so I would spend my summers out here as a kid. Um, always knew I wanted, I wanted to live here. Um, knew as a child that I wanted to be a film producer. Also knew I wanted to be a, a lawyer. So uh, that informed my decision to end up going to law school. I, I tell people I had the choice of uh, law school or film school. And I picked law school because it seemed like a safer bet. And uh, you need a law degree to practice law. You don't necessarily need a, a degree from film school to be a film mm -hmm. producer. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I graduated from Stanford. I lived in New York for five years. Um, I like to think that that's really where I became an adult. New York is a, a great city. It is uh, not a city that everyone can survive in. And um, I was very fortunate that I made some great friends there and had a great time and it's when I, I really became excited about becoming a lawyer and knew exactly what kind of law I wanted to practice. I was a paralegal at a large uh, firm there for two and a half years and that solidified my decision to go to law school and, and carve out a practice in corporate transactional law. Um, and, and that's how I got to where I am right now. Amazing. That's fantastic. So, Tony, you have uh, education. You, you've, you've completed education at two amazing uh, California colleges. How did you put that together? I'm speaking of Stanford University and UCLA. How did that all start? Why those two universities in, in tandem? Well, I knew I wanted to go in high school. Ask anyone I went to high school with you know, where I was going to go to college and, and the answer surprisingly was USC because I wanted to go to film school and USC had a great program. Um, when it came time to pull the trigger, 18-year-old um, me received the application to apply to USC undergrad and I didn't like, there was something on the application I didn't like and that's all I recall and I remember just ripping it to shreds and throwing it in the trash <laughs> and then thinking, okay, now what? And I kid you not, a couple weeks after that, I got the application sent to me from Stanford. And I looked through it and I thought, oh, this school looks interesting. And I told our guidance counselor about it and she said, oh yeah, you should talk to so-and-so of your teacher. She got her master's from Stanford. And so I went to talk to this woman and, and she greatly recommended it. I was in the talented and gifted program in high school. And she thought Stanford would be a great environment for me to go from that program 
um, in terms of a college and move into a college uh, environment. And so that was how I ended up um, at Stanford. Honestly, I went completely sight unseen. Uh, I'd never visited Stanford. I had no idea what it looked like outside of the, the manual. This was pre-internet, um, outside the brochure, I should say. And I knew about Stanford largely through the antics of its band because I read Rolling Stone magazine and they featured an article about the Stanford band. Uh, and so that was, that was the gist of it. I knew I did not want to go to the East Coast for college. I was a kid from the South. I really didn't have a winter coat, so <laughs> I pretty much closed off an entire sector of the country by virtue of the fact that I, I was uh, a warm-blooded person and I was not about to, to uh, change that. Um, and it was great. I mean, it was the best four years. Uh, it's a beautiful campus. It's a great place to get an education. And uh, I moved from Stanford after I graduated to New York. Uh, I figured I was 22 years old. This was an opportunity that I had to really explore and see what life was like living somewhere else. I only visited New York once. And so moved there and loved it. Uh, I had a really good friend who said, you know, you can come live with me and you have a place to stay. We'll get an apartment. You'll be fine. I'll help you find a job. And all of those things fell into place and started making great friends, um, many of whom I have to this day. But I knew when it came time for law school that, um, you know, there are great law schools all over the country. I'd spent five years in New York, three of which they'd had some of the worst uh, winters on record at that time <laughs> and so I said okay if I'm gonna be in law school and the drudgery of law school I really want to be in an environment where I'm not also battling the weather and the elements so I got into both USC and UCLA uh, UCLA offered the most money and uh, that made the decision for me it was a purely because they were so closely ranked it was purely a financial decision for me at that time. And uh, I don't regret the decision at all. It was a great institution. Um, I had a wonderful time there, notwithstanding the fact that I, I joined right after they passed, I want to say it's Prop 209, that um, did away with affirmative action. So our class mm -hmm. was the largest class UCLA had ever admitted. admitted but it had one of those smallest populations of black students. There were seven of us. Mm -hmm. And um, it, was, it was a challenge, but it was also, you know, I made some of the friendships that I have to this day, you know, people that now I've known for over 20, 25 years. My, my law school roommate um, and I are still great friends and, uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's a great decision and, and uh, it's a great law school. Well, that's an awesome story. And I can relate to uh, the South. I grew up in the South myself and I did spend some time on the East Coast in some of those incredible winters uh, up in Connecticut and in and, and Philadelphia. And you are correct. Mm -hmm. Those winters are brutal, especially if you grew up in the South and you're used to, <laughs> you know, wintertime being, you know, or Christmas day being 70 degrees. That, yeah. I grew up in Florida, so 
yes, that, that will definitely change your mind about uh, spending a lot of uh, continuous time on the East Coast, especially winter. I totally yeah, agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, growing up in Dallas, I had one snow day my entire life, my entire youth. Uh, we missed school, I think, maybe one or two days due to snow. And it, by comparison to what they would get in New York, with while schools remained open, it was laughable um, that they closed the schools for those <laughs> days when I was a kid because of snow. I can relate. I mean, I, I recall a, a snow day in Tampa, Florida, where it snowed about oh, wow. uh, a one inch of snow. And uh, they, they shut down the schools and the buses were prevented from going over the bridge, which crossed a little of the Gulf of Mexico. So I, I totally uh -huh. can relate. So <laughs> thanks for sharing that story. That's interesting. So my, my next question is you've uh, worked as, as a paralegal and you've had some other occupations in the law uh, profession. How did these occupations prepare you to own and manage a law firm? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I don't necessarily know if they did. I mean, the the quiet thing around the legal profession is lawyers are horrible business people. Um, I I'd like to think that I'm not uh, as horrible as, as the, <laughs> the reputation that we we garner is. Um, I run my law firm. I, I hope pretty well. At least it appears that I am. Um, in terms of like being, you know, being a paralegal and doing some of the other things and, and really having worked at a firm as an associate, that prepared me in terms of knowing what I needed to do in order to get the doors open and keep them open. Um, you know, unfortunately, if you have a career at these larger firms, they really don't teach you how to go out and get business. They don't teach you how to become rainmakers. They teach you how to service older partners, clients, and rarely are you even given the opportunity to interact with anyone um, senior to you or more senior to you because the partners are so afraid that you're going to quote unquote steal their clients that they they really it's just not something that they do. I'm hoping that's changing. It's something that should be changing in the profession because they really should be thinking about succession planning. But again, lawyers are notorious for not being the best business people, so that would require some forward thinking. Uh, as it relates to the profession, but for me, um, just w having been outside general counsel for a lot of uh, family-owned companies and businesses, I think that gave me uh, some knowledge in terms of how to go out and set up my own law firm. I uh, talking with many of my mentors, other attorneys who I'd worked with, who'd done the same thing, who'd hung up their own shingle, um, that prepared me. And just these uh, people gave me some great advice. You know, one piece of advice, always collect a retainer if you can, um, mm -hmm. so that you're assured you're going to, going to be paid. Um, my favorite piece of advice, don't participate in the, in the race to the bottom. There's always someone who, can, who claims that they can do what you can do for less. And I say, let them. I've had clients come to me, well, this person says they can do it for this amount. Can you do that? I was like, no, you should go with them. If they can do this for that amount, good luck to you and to them. <laughs> you know what, Tony, that is so amazing. You mentioned that because I have an upcoming podcast uh, episode uh, titled, Be Careful About Lowballing Vendors When It Comes to 
uh, products or services that are desperately needed. Uh-huh. You know, so so when a, when a, when a person needs an attorney, and you need that attorney very, I mean, it's it's an urgent matter, like almost life or death, almost a very critical issue. I'm writing this. I'm doing this episode about please do not lowball the vendor, because I mean, you you need that service or that product in a desperate way, and the last thing you want to do is lowball, you know, undercut of someone's price because they have priced. Their product or service for a reason. That's an excellent uh, statement you you just made. That's excellent. Thanks for sharing that. Well, and you know, I, I tell clients to think of it this way. You know, in business, there's the triangle, right? Good, cheap, fast. Mm-hmm. Three things. You can only ever have two of them at any one time. Pick very carefully which two you want, um, and and act accordingly. Now, I like to think that our pricing is um, pretty fair, so we have the quote-unquote cheap or inexpensive part covered. So if you come to me and you say you want it fast, well, that means you want it inexpensive and you want it quickly. It's not going to be good. So we try to mm-hmm. stay away from that. Uh, and you can And you can play around with those variations and, and come up with all manner of outcomes, but... People really do have to, I don't mind so much if someone pushes back on my, my rate. It depends on how they do it mm-hmm. and, and, and why they're doing it. And if they can give me a good enough justification. Um, however, do not reach out to me and tell me that you're going into production next week. And when I tell you what my rate is, you tell me that no one would pay that. You know, then Yeah, it makes no sense. I, 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 I didn't reach out to you. I didn't contact you. I don't need you. Um, I've, I've set a rate and so, yeah, it always, it's amazing to me when people are like, I need this right now and I really want it super cheap. It's like, what world do you live in that that's how this works? Uh, yeah, I'm glad yeah. You, you're putting that out there right now because that is, uh, that is definitely the like topic du jour, uh, when it comes to rates and, and fees right now. Tony, here's my next question. I read reading through your bio, you have a, a lot of experience in business and corporate services, labor and employment, litigation practice, entertainment and sports. Now, when you meet with clients or you're, let's say you're advising clients or uh, you have an opportunity to speak with potential clients, I can tell look, reading what you have, you have on your bio that you have a more proactive stance when it comes to avoiding uh, legal consequences. How do you feel about that? How do you feel? How, in other words, how? Why should someone always have an, attor- an attorney to re- rely on when it comes to things that just could just pop up? I mean, I think it's you know it's good practice and 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 um, to have someone at least that you can call if if an issue pops up and rears its ugly head just because. You never know. I mean, here's the thing. I know what I can do, and I know what my skill set is. And the story I tell people is about my plumber. I had a leaky faucet in the bathroom, and I watched a YouTube video that was showed that showed me how I could fix it without having to call my plumber. And I thought about it for about five minutes about doing it, and then I said, you know what? Here's what more than likely will happen. I'll screw it up because I don't fix leaky faucets all day, every day. 
and I could potentially then flood my bathroom, which means I flood my entire upstairs. And so something that could go from a $100 problem could then become a $10,000 problem. So what I'm going to do is call my plumber who does mm -hmm. this all day, every day. He's going to come over and he did. And he said, yeah, you could have fixed it. He said, but here's what would have happened. He says, you would have gotten to the point, and I'm sure they didn't show you this in the YouTube video, where you need a special part. Mm -hmm. And then you would have had to stop and go to Home Depot and try and find that part and then figure out how to use it. And he was absolutely right. They didn't include that in the YouTube video. This is something for all you people who think you're going to figure out how to run the world by watching YouTube videos. They didn't show that in the YouTube video. <laughs> and he fixed the problem in 15 minutes and charged me whatever he charged me. And I did not quibble about what he charged me because those are his rates. I respect his expertise. And he saved me a great deal of time because the two or three hours I would have spent effing it up, I got mm -hmm. to spend running my, my law firm, which is what I do every day. Um, on the flip side, when he had a trademark issue, he didn't try and fix it, he called me. And within 48 hours, we had it fixed for him. So there's something to be said about staying in your lane. I, I get from people all the time, well, I can read a legal contract. Well, yeah, if you can read English, you can read it. It's really not so much about your ability to read it. It's about your ability to understand what it's saying and what the law is and how things work in the legal arena. That's what's where I come in. And, and that's why my expertise is what it is. It's why I went to law school for three years. It's why I had to sit for a bar exam. And I'm licensed by the state of California, or the, the, yeah, the state of California, you can say the state, but the California bar, um, to practice law here. Um, it's beyond just reading comprehension. There's a, a great deal of analysis and understanding of the law and synthesizing information that if you, it's not something you do all day, every day, you're going to miss something. You know, I just got off a call prior to this speaking with someone about buying a new business. And... We're talking about, okay, should this be an asset sale or should it be a stock sale? What's the, what are the differences? What does this mean to me? What are the pitfalls versus one of one versus the other? Uh, what are the potential liabilities? These are things that I know. These are things that this person who's probably this is the first time and maybe the only time they'll buy a business, they don't know. So mm -hmm. they come to someone like me so they can shortcut that because uh, I don't think he really wants to study up on the law as opposed to running the business he's trying to purchase or the, the business he currently has. And so you bring in someone who has that skill set. Um, and it's also about the time value of, of money. That's why I had my plumber fix my leaky faucet rather than me doing it because my the best use of my time is doing what I'm good at. And the best use of your time as a business owner is doing what you're good at and hiring a team to help you run your business. And members of that team should always be a CPA, not a tax preparer, a CPA, a certified public accountant who can help you with tax planning as well as do your tax preparation. You should have a bookkeeper. You should have an attorney. If you're doing business in the state of California, there's so many pitfalls for you. Um, not because the state is hostile to businesses, the state is friendly towards keeping its citizens safe. So it has put those safeguards in place. Um, so it's, it's really incumbent upon you to find the right members of your team 
let them do what they're good at. Initially, yes, there's going to be a cost to you, but eventually if you're if we get that business up and running and humming the way it's supposed to, it will be profitable and the money you spend on legal services will pay for themselves. We're like a prophylactic. No one really complains when the prophylactic works. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's it's when it when it breaks that yep. people have a bunch of bunch of questions and find themselves running off to the drugstore. So think of us as that prophylactic that when it works we're all good. Well, I tell you what, I it seems like you may have used that uh, phraseology in in the court. <laughs> cuz that cuz that, <laughs> that definitely I I I get it. When you, when you use that phraseology and that that word. So mm-hmm. and and plus I've, I I talked to this attorney back on the East Coast and he had this this uh, slogan up on a billboard. I think it was somewhere in New Jersey, and it said, "You don't need an attorney until you need an attorney." And he said, "That's why yeah. you need to always have an, an an attorney because when you need one the most, that's when that's when you need one. I mean, you don't want to start looking, and especially here in California, if it's a you know perhaps a business situation, there's nothing that's cheap in, in terms of you know legal consequences. I mean." To, yeah. What I've seen so far, it's always like at least six figures. When it's talking, you're talking about big business or medium. But it could business. easily be. You're at, you're absolutely correct. I mean, what I will tell you is the cost for us to draft, let's say, a partnership agreement between you and your partner, be it a shareholder agreement, an operating agreement, or some some sort of partnership agreement, will more than likely top out at five grand. A lawsuit between two business partners fighting over their business is going to start at ten grand. It's simple mm-hmm. math. It's mm-hmm. it's just simple math. If to have us come in and fix a problem that you've created is always going to be more expensive than having us come in at the front end and setting it up right for you. It's the same as building a house. <laughs> Engineers will tell you that it's you know it's great if we can get in there on the ground floor and lay the proper foundation and build from there rather than you laying the foundation and it's freaking not even leveled. And you've built the walls, and now you, we have to come in and, and build on your off, you know, askew foundation. Like, no, let people come in at the beginning, show you how to do it the right way, set it up for you. Yes, on the front end, you're going to be out of some money, but it will save you money on the back end. And quite frankly, if you are setting up a business and you have not budgeted for legal, then you really shouldn't be going into business. Uh, and I That's say right. that um, seeing and hearing about all of these you know, how business owners are being impacted by the fact that people don't want to come back to work for them. And I say to those business owners, they don't want to come back to work for you, not because they're making more money off of uh, unemployment benefits. It's because you're not willing to pay them a wage that entices them to get out of bed and come to work for you. And so if you do, if you set up a business and you cannot afford to pay your workers a living wage, you should not go into business, period. Very simple. Yep, Very simple. That's right. That's right. So here's my next question, Tony. What do you see coming? And you may have already, you may have already mentioned it. What do you see coming on the legal horizon that business owners should pay attention to right now? Uh, you know, what I am seeing a lot of is uh, when we are in any kind of economic decline or a situation where people start to believe that there's 
scarcity. And I say that believe that there's scarcity because there is no scarcity. Um, we see the revelation of character, not the creation of character. You are who you are. Situations reveal who you are. They don't necessarily make who you are. And so I'm seeing quite a number of business owners, uh, unfortunately, who are operating from a position of fear and from a position of scarcity um, and going about things, in my opinion, the completely wrong way. If you believe in your business and you believe in the product or service you're offering, bet on you, bet on your team, continue to pay people, pay them more for hanging in there with you through this downtime. That might mean for a couple of years you make less, but that's the cost you, that's the price of being the owner. Uh, do that and reap the rewards later. Because like they say in a marriage, a happy wife is a happy life. Happy employees don't sue you. Happy employees do not sue their businesses. But when you treat people like garbage, garbage in, garbage out. This is a two-way street. You have to treat your employees with a modicum of, of decency and respect, and you will get that in return. And you need to pay them a livable wage. Um, and if that means you need to lobby your representatives to help you accomplish that, then do that. But stop. We, we, wages have been stagnant for decades. And we are starting to see the results of it now. Um, it's, it's coming to a head. This pandemic really brought that issue to a head. Um, so what I would say is we're seeing uh, certainly more, uh, getting more calls from employees complaining about their employers. And, and a lot of them are legitimate complaints. And so I would tell employers, um, now's not the time to behave badly. People are watching you and, um, you know, we're living in a moment where it's really very easy for the, the marketplace to weigh in on your behavior. Ask Chrissy Teigen. They are weighing in on some bad behavior that she engaged in, you know, a while ago. But on the flip side of that, we are also seeing a lot of people reevaluate their priorities. So we are doing a lot of business purchases, which means there are quite a few business sales going on. Mm. Uh, people are leaving careers that they once held because they're not fulfilled and are realizing that they should do what makes them happy. And that's another reason you see people, uh, a lot of these uh, low wage employers having a problem finding employees. Like, why should I risk my life to come work at your company when I'm going to be treated like crap. I'd much rather go do something that fulfills me. Um, so really think about your workplace. Yeah, so we are doing quite a number of sales because the largest generation that we've ever had is retiring in record numbers every single day. And they own the largest number of small businesses than any other generation, the boomers. And we, I, I would love to in some kind of way impact how that happens so that those businesses can move forward into the next generation, but that requires planning. And a lot of business owners don't plan for that. 
And so when it comes time to transfer their businesses, it, it often fails. But what I would tell anyone who's listening, who's thinking, you know, I, I think I may want to retire in five or 10 years. Start planning for that now. Hire an attorney, start having the conversation, get someone to come in and do an evaluation of your business so that you know exactly what it's worth. Figure out who you want to sell that business to so that you can, you know, this is your legacy. Do you want to, a lot of business owners think that their kids are going to run their business. If your kid's not in your business now, chances <laughs> are they don't want to be in your business or they'd right. already be in it. If your kid is a doctor on the East Coast and you're running, you know, your popsicle company here, he's not giving that up to come here. That's unfair. There are other options for you and there are other ways to structure this so that you can continue to generate income for your family, but you have to plan for that. And if you don't plan, you know, you don't plan, you fan, you, uh, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And if you don't come up with a plan for how you dispose of your business, the state has a plan for you. And it's not going to be one that you or your heirs like. So kind of those are the trends in a, in a nutshell. Well, here's my next question. I only have like maybe one or two more. Uh, Tony, I see you have a number of years of legal experience in the sports and entertainment industries. Where do you see professional athletes, actors, musicians, both up and coming and veteran, you know, uh, personnel occasionally stumbling in their legal situations? Uh, Where they tend to stumble in their legal situations is really not getting legal representation um, to protect their various intellectual property or or their assets. It's probably a little less so for athletes. I mean, where athletes tend to stumble the most, I think, is is putting together a team that will protect their finances. Uh, We certainly know that with the NFL and even with the NBA, uh, these careers are much shorter than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. They're considerably shorter. Um, These guys are faster. They're stronger. It's like getting hit with a Mack truck. So your your body isn't able to take that for 20 years. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of younger guys who say, you know what? I really prefer to have my, my um, mental capacity. So I'm going to retire at a younger age and do something else. Well, make sure you plan on whatever that something else is. And the same thing in the entertainment industry. You have a lot of people who are living paycheck to paycheck, um, not really setting enough aside for their future. Do that. Set money aside. Pay yourself first. Um, Think about what your plan is after all of this. And whatever your career is, be prepared to pivot. You know, things, we saw things change on a dime uh, with COVID. What is your plan in the event that the career you've you've mapped out for yourself doesn't work or, or you can't work? What are you going to pivot and do? So we saw a lot of pivots people pivot to podcasts because there were no in you know onset filming so we're doing filmed podcasts and and that was a way for people to get their message across or or try out new ideas from a legal standpoint always have a lawyer on your team to look out for your legal needs yes a lot of agents or attorneys but they're not practicing attorneys and they're not really looking at the legal aspects of the deal they're looking at the business aspects of them and they're they're very different um, my background, my very early background was in lit- litigation. So I know what happens when people don't pay attention to the fine print. I know what that looks like. Um, and 
my job is to ideally keep you out of litigation, either from having to sue someone or from being sued. And if either of those things happen, we want to get you out of that situation as, as quickly as possible, um, while at the same time ensuring that your rights are protected. Um, honestly, there's, there isn't very much difference in terms of what I'm seeing or the advice I'd give for my business clients that I give for my entertainment clients. Um, plan for the future. What is your plan? <clears throat> how, do you, how do you execute it? Who's on your team to help you execute it? Um, and, and the people who are on your team should fully be behind you and support you in what you're doing. But they should also be people who are willing to tell you no. Don't ever surround yourself with a bunch of sycophants and yes people, whether you're a celebrity or a business person. Exactly. Oh, I'm serious. Yes. Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston would likely be alive today, maybe even mm. Prince, if they had not surrounded themselves with a bunch of sycophants who were more concerned about getting paid than they were the well-being of these individuals. Have someone and have an ego. I mean, you should specifically employ someone whose job it is, and their job is always secure, who is the person who's the devil's advocate to say, mm -hmm. well, no, that's really not a good idea. Why would you want to do that? Because not every idea you come up with is gold. <laughs> you <Exactly>. know, <laughs> have someone on your team who's going to punch holes, you know, yep. to make you really yep. think about the decisions you're making. Yep. Just that, that reminds me of the, uh, the, uh, of MC Hammer, you know, that, that's what happened mm -hmm. to him. You know, he had oh, a lot yeah. of yes well, people that, on his and, team. And, and and buying Rolls Royces for all your friends, don't don't f and do that. Don't buy don't buy people assets that depreciate the minute they roll off. People who buy new cars, I just look like why you're you're taking a let somebody else take that hit. Buy a car that's two or three years old, and you've already you know the the, you, the depreciation is already gone. It's, it's amazing to me. Yeah. Wow. You want well, a pathway my, uh... to lose all your money? Buy all your friends Rolls Royces. Yep, yeah, 25%. I heard a 25% immediate depreciation hit as soon as you drive that car off the Easily. Line. Easily. It could be up to 40%. <laughs> wow. Yes. Well, thanks for that yeah. advice. Tony, I know many professionals don't like to toot their horn about their skill, talent, and expertise, but I think you should really let California listeners know that you are the best in your profession. So, what client profile would you consider an ideal client for your practice? You know, on the corporate side, we really like working with family-owned businesses, small middle market companies. Those are ideal because we can come in and we're the legal counsel for them, um, soup to nuts on, on any and all legal issues that come through the door. We don't handle all of them, but we're the point of initial contact for those so we can then refer our clients out to trusted professionals who hopefully will will guide them and give them great advice so that's great on the on on honestly on either side is getting in early and being a, a trusted member of that team for that client um, gender doesn't matter your race doesn't matter your size doesn't matter my favorite clients are those who value the advice that we give them and who know that yeah it might cost you something but we add value being a member of, of your team. And, you know, I would hope that several of our clients would be able to attest that it's, it's been great to have um, someone you can call, 
you know, at four or five o'clock on a Friday when the crap is hitting the fan and they give you peace of mind to say, okay, we got this. You can sleep well this weekend. We got it handled. You're in good hands. Excellent. And Tony, here's my final question. It's like a double question. Uh, what mm -hmm. is the best way for people to contact you and what are your closing comments that you would like to leave with our listening audience today? Uh, the best way to contact us is on our, our website. We have a, a contact form there and uh, we're looking to add a um, automated chat feature um, uh, soon. But our website is the best place to, to initiate a conversation with us. Uh, in terms of parting words, what I would tell people is a, a couple of things. Number one, uh, show yourself some grace. Uh, this is a really tough time period. We've never seen anything like this. We've never been in anything like this. And uh, we're seeing high levels of anxiety and depression. And so I would say be gentle with yourself. And by extension, be gentle with your neighbors. Uh, and by neighbor, I mean any and everyone around you because we're all, we might not be in it together, but we're all in it. And we have not yet emerged. So be patient. Um, and uh, please get vaccinated because that's really how you show that you care about not only yourself, but those around you. Uh, that is not a political statement. That is a scientific statement. And science isn't political. Facts are facts. The fact that the earth is round is not up for debate. The fact that vaccines keep us safe is not up for debate. Um, so, and that might turn off some people, but that's perfectly fine with me. All righty. Well, I want to thank Tony Long, attorney, managing partner at the Long Law Group uh, based in Pasadena for being a, 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 a very well-informed guest today on the 321 Biz Development of Take Control of Your Business podcast. And listeners, if you want to visit and get a consultation with Tony Long, please visit www.tylaw.com to learn more about Tony Long or to schedule a consultation. So, Tony, I want to thank you for being a guest today and, uh, and make it a great day. And I look forward to. And by the way, if you want to come back and be a guest and talk about another topic, please do so. You're very welcome to be a, a guest on the 321 Biz Development Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really am glad we were finally able to, to fit this into our schedule, really my schedule. And thank you for being patient with me uh, on that front. And, and uh, I've enjoyed listening to some of your episodes and, and the guests you have on. I think you're providing a great service for the community and for business people uh, in Southern Cal and, and outside of the state. So thank you for having me. And, you know, I'm happy to come back anytime you want to have me on. All right. Thank you, Tony. Have a great Friday. All right. You do the same. All right. Bye-bye.